Hey everyone, Wilson Cochran here. So glad you're joining us to listen to the podcast. This week, this past week, uh, we did a thing called Quarantine Questions, where we had a panel of our pastors, Van Cochran, our senior pastor, Luke Hazemeyer, one of the executive pastors, Micah Turnbow, the pastor of prophetic ministry, and myself, one of the other executive pastors, answered questions um, led by Jordan Pelfrey, our student revival pastor, about um, corona and how to handle this season. So I hope you enjoy it and have an amazing week. All right, welcome back. We today, instead of uh, doing just a normal Sunday morning sermon, we're actually going to have a Q&A with several pastors on staff. So welcome to the quarantine questions, Q&A, COVID crisis concerns. I, I don't know, what, whatever it is. Um, but it's going to be a lot of questions, quarantine questions that I, I totally forgot the actual name. So I just started throwing words out there. But welcome to quarantine questions. Um, uh, in a second, I'm going to introduce our, our panel, but I want to explain to you what we're doing. Uh, over the last week, we have been collecting questions that uh, people have texted in and just asked either about uh, COVID-19 and how we should respond or what the church is doing about it, or even just general questions that they've always wanted to ask the staff of the church. And so I've got a list of questions here, but we are actually also still uh, taking questions. So there's a number on the screen right now that if you would like to just text in a question, we've got someone who's fielding them and they're going to get them up here to me. And uh, we're going to do our best to get through as many questions as we can. But if there's something that comes up that you, you want more information about, feel free to just uh, text it to us, uh, the number on the screen. But with that being said, let's, all, let's meet our panel really quick. This is uh, our senior pastor, Van Cochran. Woo! <laughs> I'll just assume that I need to pause for applause at home. Um, one of our executive pastors, Luke Hazelmeyer. Our, Come on, get loud now. Our that other, was pathetic. Our other executive pastor, Wilson Cochran. <laughs> Woo! He's my boss, so make sure you really cheer for him. And, uh, and as well, uh, our, our pastor, the prophetic, Micah Turnbow. Uh, a, a whole bunch of wisdom up here on the stage today. Um, but, you know, going back to uh, the word I shared this morning, that, you know, there, there's so much just information flying out, flying around that, that is asking for our attention and, and, and trying to influence our thinking. And so I want to encourage you, really, like, take this in. Take these answers in, because I think that this is going to be a different perspective than we're hearing in the media and on Facebook and from Crazy Uncle Mike, who's been ready for the world to end since the 80s. Um, and... Uh, I, I think we should just let this information inform our thinking and understanding and our response to uh, this crisis. So I, I would just in, encourage you, like, take some notes uh, on your phone, write them down, whatever it is. But I think we're going to get some really valuable information here. Uh, so let's, uh, let's go for it. You guys ready? Let's do it. All right. So I figured we would uh, start with some softballs and, and just kind of hear about your life and, and what's been going on for the last couple months, but, uh, or the last month. It, it feels like a couple months. <laughs> but um, so what have been just some highs and lows in your guys' lives uh, through quarantine 2020? Well, 
I'm an introvert, so I feel like I was built for quarantine 2020. <laughs> no, I miss people, but I will say that a high has just been, it's been, I don't remember the last time that I was able to just be home and Jamie and I were able just to cook, a di cook dinner and spend the evening together literally every single night of the week. And so I've really enjoyed that. That's a high. I don't have a low to share right now. So good. That's good. Yeah. A high for me has been just all of the, it's obviously like sad and there's a negative, mostly a negative thing that's going on with the pandemic. But on the other side, it's like exciting to ha be alive and doing it. So there's just like kind of like adrenaline I have going like navigate this and make decisions and plan new things. So that's been a high for me. Um, I, it's been actually kind of fun. I like apocalyptic things probably because, you know, but I, I, so when it, when this was all announced, I was like, oh, we have to survive. And, you know, so, you know, I, but it's been great the way I've been, I'm an introvert too, but, um, it's been nice to hang out with, uh, my sister. We watch a lot of Hulu and, um, amazing race and uh, pizza. So it's been, it's been great. It's been great. What's, what's your favorite kind of pizza that you've gotten during this whole thing? Mmm, I love Pizza Hut. I love stuffed crust. Mmm. And cheese. Weak. Cheese that is pizza. weak. Pizza Hut, that's your favorite pizza. It's, shh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. So, uh, myself, I love change of any kind. And so um, I, I'm excited about the change. I'm excited about the future. I think that this is going to lead into some great things. But uh, the downside for me is I am an extrovert. And so all of the Zoom meetings take all my energy out of me. But by not being in a room filled with people, I get nothing back. And so I feel uh, a strain because of that. Wow, that, that was just such great revelation for why I need to go take a two-hour nap after all of our Zoom meetings. <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. yeah. I feel charged. <laughs> yeah, like for Luke and Micah, the Zoom meeting is like a force field of protection for their introvert self. They're like, this is how it should always be. <laughs> if I could figure out how to stop video and mute audio in real life, that would just be amazing. Wow. We're, we're not going to put Luke in charge of pastoral care, okay? <laughs> Anybody's worried about that. Yeah, well, I just, yeah, just to be real, too, to bring the other side, I've had some lows. One thing that anyone with small kids can relate to is, like, I, I have much greater appreciation for my wife mm. because, like, she, I'm, I'm getting to experience what it's like to be at home all the time with the kids. And, like, dude, props. Oh, my goodness. Just <laughs> always being there, always going for it, like, um, yeah, that's giving me a whole new level of appreciation for any parent or caretaker that is, doesn't get that nine hour break that I get when I come to work every day. Mm, yes. So true. I feel that on a spiritual level. <laughs> All right. So a question that I think is burning on the minds of at least the young adults of the church. Have you guys watched Tiger King yet? <laughs> I've watched I haven't, the not No. I've watched the first episode. It was very interesting. Are you gonna finish I have not. No. <laughs> no. Guys, this is the most popular documentary of human history. And well, I suppose that I'm the trendiest of all the four of us then. 
Look at that. Luke is up. I, 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 get, I made some predictions before this. I said, Luke is going to have started it. Wilson will have finished it. And Van and Michael will have no idea what that is. I know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I was 25% right. All right. So we'll, let, let's jump into some of the more serious questions here. Um, one of the questions we got was, how should we as followers of Jesus respond to this global pandemic? Anybody can start that would like to. Do you want to start? I, yeah, I think Jordan just gave a great, um, a, a great outline of how to respond to it in his introduction to the service. But uh, really, it's like uh, we live in this world, but uh, we're, we are people of another world, too. We're, we're people of this world, but of the kingdom of God. And our security comes in the kingdom of God, not in this world. Yeah, another thing I would say on that note that, like, I think is super important for how believers should be responding is grabbing hold of prophetic words. Mm. I mean, I would just also grabbing hold of scripture or promises and prophetic words, both of the, anything that speaks to hope, you know, mm. but I think it, uh, the prophetic words are even better illustration in this case, because where are we getting more influenced by? The news media outlets, our government, and by the way, like hats off to our government, and I am, obviously, there's all kinds of one-sidedness in the media, and there's also good in the media. So I'm not trying to bash that, but I'm just saying that, like, have I let the prophetic words I've heard from the Lord about this from seasoned prophets that I trust, or have I looked at the scripture that tell, talks to us about this circumstance and put as much faith and belief and made that the narrative? So, like, that's, that's something I'm trying to fight for every day. I'm not saying I'm amazing at that, but I think that's another way to... I'm just, again, I'm just another side of the same coin, or mm. yeah, another side of the same coin that you were speaking of and my dad was. Yeah. So I think whenever there is a crisis in our country or our world of any kind, I think that this interesting thing happens where people, like all people, especially people who are not Christians, not in the church, not in relationship with God, they kind of get out of this tunnel vision, this like norm way of viewing the world, and they become more aware of things that are going on. And I think it's in that place that we have the unique opportunity to represent Jesus to the world in a way that impacts them in a way they probably couldn't have been impacted if everything was still business Come as on. usual. And so if I could rant for a second, this is why I think like whatever is, I don't, I can't tell you with certainty what's right or wrong. If you've probably seen some pastor saying, no, God told me I have to have faith and to not close my doors and to still have services, whatever. R regardless of the truth about that issue, I think what do we want the world to see in this glimpse of time that we have where we can represent Jesus? Do we want them to think that Jesus's main agenda right now is to keep churches open? Or do we want to respond selflessly with love, serve people, reach out to our community, and be the hands and feet in practical ways of those around us? And I think that is so much more important than fighting for this other thing. So, end rant. Sorry if that was a little too edgy, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I just think you're bringing up the tension of like, it's not like we can easily drift to this is what faith looks like, like, and we're just being robots and we're, I think we're going to talk more about the difference between fear and wisdom later, right? Yeah. But 
I think that's what you're hitting on. It's so good, man. Um, I see a real need, uh, really, just for the word of the, the word of the Lord, really, and that, that's been the, the cry of my heart for that we would respond to God's word, um, because. You know, we talk about, uh, we quote those verses all the time, Psalms 91 and everything. We say, oh, that's great. And then when something tragic actually happens, then we find out, do we really believe what the word actually says? Mm. You know, and I think this is the time where our hearts are being tested. And to, do we believe actually what the word is saying when there's times of crisis and trouble? So it's actually been quite unique to see um, the church's response from the person sitting in the pews to the person who's up on stage speaking. You know, how are they responding to the word during times like this? So I think it's, I think it's a matter of, of pulling out those promises, you know, in the Bible for our answers. Can I just add this? Yeah, please. I think this is a time when we really need to pray for our leaders, our governmental leaders, and, um, and not be swayed into uh, loving some and hating others. And whatever, whatever uh, party you're from or whatever your politics, we need to be praying that God would bless and give wisdom and, and actually pray for unity among uh, our leaders, our national leaders, and state leaders as well. So that, that's a huge thing we need to be doing right now. So good. So basically, be on the lookout for the political spirit. Exactly, yeah. Reject the political spirit. Be on the lookout for that. So good. Here's a question that just came in that I feel like uh, really um, kind of goes with Wilson's answer, so it'd be awesome if you could maybe start after uh, the question is asked. But it says, Vineyard Northwest is a prophetic community. What are some things that are unfolding that you see God has already prepared us for, and what areas of opportunity are you discovering is required as a body to walk through times of crisis? It's a good one. I wish I could read it. Um, so I'm going to repeat it so I try and actually answer it. Yeah, do you want me to ask the first part? Yeah, first ask the first it? part. So Vineyard Northwest is a prophetic community. Yes. What are some things that are unfolding that you see God has already prepared us yeah. for? That's a great question. I feel like that's a softball. But how serendipitous. I mean, no, how much is it the Lord that we took a moment to raise some money and get good streaming equipment and to yeah. refresh the building and... um. Like, I think that's just obviously that was not as much our idea as we thought, mm. <laughs> but it really was the Lord. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't pause and say like humongous shout out to Micah Dawkins, Jordan and Lisa Oder, Alec Johnson, um, others that spent countless, Dave, Dave Lampert, who just spent so much time behind the scenes making the Fresh campaign mm. a reality, like so. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, like it was almost something we called off, but really felt like the Lord was saying, no, do it. Yeah, seriously. Wow. Seriously. And I might've forgotten a name or two, but just once again, we need to be thankful for all the people that put so much time and energy into uh, that project. Mm. Can I say something, Jordan? Yeah. Uh, a prophetic culture doesn't mean that everything that happens happens as a result of a direct prophetic word from God. But mm -hmm. in a prophetic culture, there are times that key people will just see something and it's the Lord working through their mindset to show them and, and it feels like your own idea and, and probably is your own idea in cooperation with what the Holy Spirit's doing. But, but I do think it was a prophetic move on Will's part to see the need to upgrade all of this and, and to lead us into that. 
So good. Does anyone else have any thoughts on uh, how has God prepared us for this? Or, or even the second part of the question, which was, and, um, what areas of opportunity are you discovering is required as a body to walk through times of crisis? So, Wilson and I were actually talking about opportunities yesterday, and basically, I'm, one, I'm really excited about the drive-through grocery giveaway that we're doing, something that I think is going to help a lot of people that need food and groceries, but a couple other things that we're doing that are really exciting are we are um, with a local restaurant, Tags, we are giving away a hundred meals that, we're, that Vineyard Northwest is paying for to needy families throughout the uh, Cincinnati area. Basically, we're, we're working with TAGS and some uh, teachers that are in the schools. And then we're also giving away a hundred pizza vouchers to, or more, more than 200, 100. Yeah. yeah, we're giving away a pizza voucher to every police officer EMT worker and, and firefighter in Colerain. And anyways, we, Wilson and I were reflecting on all this stuff that we're doing that, um, for the community, and we just felt like, you know what, I think that for this next season, God's actually going to get us more and more and more involved in community projects mm. and outreaches like this. So good. And I'm really excited for it because usually you see power evangelism, so healing the sick, leading people to Jesus, sharing prophetic words and words of knowledge, giving people power encounters, you see that kind of pitted against what we would call servant evangelism, where you're going out, you're humbly and servant-heartedly serving people. And I think that we're going to have a really cool opportunity to really marry those in this next season and be the hands and feet of Jesus, do extremely practical things for people in our community, and then additionally, see the power of God flow through that. And just so quickly on that note, so it's all so exciting, I don't want to distract from that, but Bob Hazlett <laughs> came here a couple of times, and he came here, like, in 2015 when he was here, he literally, I'll, we can release this prophecy since people can hear it, how cool it is, but back in 2015, he prophesied that we would be a hub where servant evangelism and empire evangelism will be married. Wow. And it's not, and so like, we're stewarding that, but also it's just like, we're seeing, wow, that's how a prophetic culture works. Yeah, so and good. In addition to that, Steve Shogren, who was the father of servant evangelism, told me once that it was never intended that servant evangelism would be separated from power evangelism. And mm -hmm. Steve was always a Holy Spirit power guy. He wanted just to have our people get out into the community where we can have contact with people so power events can happen. And so uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah, so good. All right, next question, kind of transitioning topics here. How do you know if you're responding to something out of fear or in wisdom? There's something really God's been speaking to me about a ton, honestly. And I think that the trap is we um, equate faith with whatever looks like the kingdom now and don't recognize when there's wisdom and when there's actually wisdom involved. So it's still something I'm processing about, but it's like, I think we have fear of not acting in faith, basically. Mm -hmm. And because we're afraid of not acting in faith, 
we actually do things out of fear instead of faith. Hmm. So that's just like the short, not super clear yet answer. Uh, real briefly, I'd say this. If uh, you're acting, you're just, you're wise, you're washing your hands and you're cleaning your hands on a regular basis, but then uh, you go to the store and you come home and you realize a half hour after you got home that you haven't washed your hands yet, do you panic? Or do you just say, well, okay, I'm gonna wash my hands now and then keep moving on, that would be faith. I think panicking would be, uh, you know, I'm I'm reacting out of fear probably, it's hard to tell, yeah. yeah. I would say like, fear is mind controlling. Mm. Um, and wisdom doesn't do that. So I, like, I, I tell people who are like uh, afraid, I'm like, is it controlling your mind? Like, is it just make, obs- making you think obsessively about something and controlling your actions and controlling your mind? So I think that when, you, when fear is controlling and, and faith is this level of, of freedom that you get to operate in uh, with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit doesn't move in this area of uh, insecurity and control, which is what fear brings in. So, yeah, and and I would say that sometimes fear and wisdom can look similar, sometimes, but I think the critical difference is that what was the role of the voice of God in the decision? I don't think it's possible to make a decision out of fear while simultaneously having heard God and done what he and did and having done what he said. So like, so good. So you you take a situation where there's kind of like a common sense response and then there is a risky response and you say, okay, Lord, what are you asking me to do? Are you asking me to do the risky thing or are you asking me to use the kind of the common sense thing? And I think that if we hear him say, do the risky thing, we have to do the risky thing, otherwise we are responding in fear. Mm-hmm. But if we hear him say, do the common sense thing, or if we're just not really sure, I think God gave us wisdom and brains that could think for a reason, and it's good to use that wisdom he's put in us and to do the thing, and, and I think here's the issue. I think we Christians get insecure because Sometimes the common sense thing or the wisdom thing looks like what the rest of the world is also doing. Mm. And so we're like, well, if I'm doing what the rest of the world is doing, I must be acting in fear. I must be bad or wrong. But the truth is all wisdom flows from God and that wisdom, you know, I think that even if the majority of the world is like acting and thinking in a certain way, it can still be from God because whatever the source of that mindset or belief was, it originated with God and God doesn't just want to give Christians wisdom, God wants to give the whole world wisdom. He's not like holding back wisdom from the world. So anyways, I think that those are some thoughts about the the subject. (laughs) And it's kind of that line of thinking that led to the decision to stop meeting in person when we did, isn't that right? Awesome. Yeah, just one last thought about this. I think, and what Luke is saying is just so good. Really a question to ask yourself is like, is there, do I have spiritual pride? Mm-hmm. Is that a sin in my life? Is that something I'm falling into? Because I think evidence of spiritual pride is what Luke was saying. If like I define what I'm going to do by the opposite of what I think fear is, 
Like it, we can't make the narrative fear. We have to make the narrative wisdom. Mm. And wisdom is revealed through the written word of God and the spoken word of God. And um, that's where we gotta just find our home base is what is wisdom? It's mm. really good. We, th- this has been so good and we've got a ton more questions. So let, let, we'll try to answer this next one quickly and concisely. Um, yes, master. <laughs> So uh, someone wrote in, this thing is so big, this pandemic, um, for people who feel overwhelmed about where to start praying for it, what do you guys recommend? What is like the first thing Christians should be praying against or for in this time? This is the perfect time to draw near to God. Mm. Okay. It really is. Uh, and, you know, and I, I think, well, I'll just say what I have been praying for just, you know, globally, you know, people, I get people ask me all the time, you know, what is, what should we do? What should we do? And I'm like, draw near to God, just draw near to him. And what, see, when you draw near to God, everything else that is negative has to go away. It can't be in the presence of God. So when you draw near to God and you, and, and, you, and you start praying for your leaders to be in God's presence to draw near to God, then the things that are on them start going away that are negative. So you always are in a good place when you say, God, I'm coming before you. I mean, laying on your face, whatever that is, and just saying, God, what is your heart? What do you have for me today? What do you have for our leaders today? I know that at least for several of the staff and some others for, for us, we've been trying to have coordinated prayer throughout this entire thing. And the three categories we've been praying into are our church, our community, and the world. And so I think you could switch that around to like my family, my immediate community, and the world. And I think when you start praying into one of those things, like say you start praying into the Colerain area, if you live in Colerain, I think God will just start to put things on your heart to pray. And you just kind of follow whatever he's putting on your heart. Like the other day I was praying for um, our church community and the thing that I really felt like God put on my heart was that we need to be moved with compassion like Jesus was moved with compassion. So then I just prayed that for our church that in all all the ways that we respond, all the things that we do, that we would not do it you know, just out of duty, although there is a little, there is duty there, but that we would do it out of Jesus's compassion for, for people. So good. Ready for the next question? All right. Great restraint there, guys. (laughs) Wonderful job. All right. Next question. Uh, What will the world be like post-pandemic, and what does that mean for the church, both Vineyard Northwest and just the global church? I believe for one thing, uh, what, what's gonna happen in upcoming months as the pandemic uh, um, subsides, uh, what, what's happening right now is the foundations of people's lives and where they have found security is just being shaken mm-hmm. and the rugs being pulled out from under them. And um, the day's gonna come as we, right now everyone's focused on the crisis itself and survival. But as we come out of the crisis and people realize well, I, yeah, I've, I've trusted in science. I've just always figured they'll find a cure for cancer and whatever happens is gonna be okay because the scientists are gonna figure it all out. I mean, we realize now that a virus that comes either out of a, a, a um, virology lab or a wet market can shake the whole world and just shut the whole world down. And there are more of them out there. And so, uh, not to be negative, but... Uh, <laughs> 
but I, I think people are going to realize, so I can't, you mean, I can't put my trust there any longer. I have to find a stable place in life, and that stable place is Jesus Christ, who, as Jordan shared earlier, we can come into a relationship with him. You know God the Father. And then what your life becomes about is not, no longer survival, not even prosperity, but it's about mission. And then the prayer is, God, enable me to fulfill my mission. Enable my church to fulfill my mission. Let your mission of your kingdom come, coming be fulfilled in this world, in my city, and even through this pandemic and in spite of it. So good. That's, wow, yeah. A practical thing I've been thinking on a kind of different note is everyone is responding to the pandemic differently. And I really believe that to be true. I think every single person is responding to it differently. And I know that's true because no one's ever experienced it before. Mm -hmm. So it's like totally unpredictable. How do we respond? And I think we need to have a ton of grace for one another, for our leaders, for our family, for our friends, because what's going to happen that's is right. social distancing is going to end. And you are going to be like, oh, great, I'm going to go see people. And those people you're going to go see, some of them are going to be like, whoa, no, I'm not ready yet. Hmm. And you're going to be like, but I love you. And it's just so <laughs> I think really predicting and getting ready, honestly, for like community, intimacy and friendship to be a thing we're going to navigate through in a fresh way with tons of grace, tons of honor, tons of mercy hmm. is going to protect our relationships. That's yeah. so good, Will. That's so good. So, so much wisdom right there. <laughs> All right. Um, a little bit more of a just practical question around this. Maybe just one or two of you can answer. Um, when do you guys foresee us being back together, you know, business as usual, in-person gatherings, and how will it look differently? Are we going to be, you know, removing every other chair or wearing masks or gloves? You know, what, what does that look like? Anybody? Um, <laughs> it's really impossible to say. I, my best guess would be, I hope, mid-May. Hmm. But uh, you don't know that. I, I really feel like we've got to honor our governmental leaders. We've just got to honor them right now. And, um, and, and when we do come back, it might be every other seat because, as Wilson just said, there might be people that are, are going to not want to be around other people for months yet. And so we, we just don't know. So uh, this question just came in from one of the uh, kids in, our, in Northwest Kids. Um, uh, two questions. One, what do you see for kids in all of this? And two, what do you see for the church just in, in the next year? I think I see kids, you're getting to be shaped by something early. And I would just really encourage, I mean, my daughter's not old enough to understand this at all. She's two, you know, but anyone, wh whatever the age is and the threshold is understand, I just really go, um, above and beyond to try and help them make sense, make sense to them that this is a huge event and that everyone's freaking out, but we're not because of Jesus. Hmm. And that this might be the most terrifying event that ever happens in your entire life. And so now you get to see at this age that you never have to fear. No matter hmm. what thing comes up against you, you've faced the worst. Yeah. I love, uh, uh, kids are so awesome. I mean, I, I, yesterday I spent time with my nieces and nephews and we had a little dance party and they danced in my sister's studio and they were all loud and everything, just being kids. And then I just heard the Lord say to my heart, he said, you know, uh, they're loud also in the spirit. They have just as much power in you as, in them as they, as you do. And 
that I was like, oh, of course, yeah. They're not just jumping around. They're actually doing something in the spirit that's very powerful, you know. And that that I encourage you, the, the kid who asked that, that you are extremely powerful, mm-hmm. and you have your anointed. The same anointing that is in your mom and your dad is in you. So don't be afraid. Express Jesus. Mm, so good. Yeah, I think it's in line with both of those. It's going to produce a, a whole generation of children that are going to grow up as uh, kind of like have a warrior heart mm. and not looking at life saying, oh, what can I get out of it? How comfortable can I be? But man, we're here for a mission and we're going to carry that mission into the world. So mm. this might be right now, this generation might come out as the most powerful spiritual generation that's ever existed. Yeah, so good. And if I could add something there, I, I think a lot of times generations are defined by big traumatic events that happen to them and it, you know, that shapes how they think as adults and things. And it, it's so cool to think that, you know, there are going to be people shaped by fear and, you know, craziness of the pandemic, but also there's going to be, um, kids that come out of this church and other churches that are actually going to be shaped by, um, homes of peace and experiencing the power of God through all this. And, and it'll be really cool in 10 and 20 years to see how their lives are different than those around them. That's just like an insight we can carry into every area of society. Mm. Like 9-11, what was the devil's agenda there? Make us fear Muslims. Mm. And make us, make a whole generation be scared of Muslims. Where they're the next Paul, gener- like Muslims are the Paul that are gonna sweep their, like, you know, there's gonna be mm. millions and millions of Muslims getting saved, but not if we respond with that fear mindset, the enemy's agenda of 9-11. I think we can apply that to, we can go, to go down the line of any major societal injustice or societal depravity and see how the devil is trying to change the way we think. Yeah, so good. Well, we are quickly running out of time, so we have a ton of really great questions, but I'm just going to skip to this one to kind of end it, and then um, maybe we'll come up with some kind of follow-up to answer some of it, because I mean, there's 20 awesome questions left. But we will. Jump. We'll figure something out, and we'll get more questions answered and do some more of this. So we'll just jump straight to this. Um, there's been a lot of talk from us, I know, in meetings, but also even from the stage on Sundays, that we believe that there's a revival coming at the end of all of this. And, and so uh, the question is, uh, why do we believe that? And then also, what does revival look like after a pandemic? Um, first, I would say revival is, is different than renewal. Renewal is where the church gets lit up and people get excited, and, and that's part of revival. But revival is where people come to faith in Jesus, and it's just happening everywhere, and uh, people's hearts are prepared, and, it, and, it's, and you just go out and you just lead a ton of people to Jesus. Last time that happened was in the 60s and 70s with the Jesus People Movement. And um, historians say that we have a revival uh, approximately every 50 years or so. And so it's been at least 50 years since the Jesus People Movement. And that was a pretty mild revival. It wasn't like some of the ones uh, that like have happened in um, Scotland and other places around the world. But y- you couple that with this, that there, there have been consistent prophetic voices calling out a coming revival. And uh, Bob Jones's prophecy, probably 20 years ago given, that when the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, revival's coming. And uh, we just saw this uh, prophecy this week, uh, a man named David Wilkerson, 
who uh, was, is, wrote the book The Cross and the Switchblade, which is was just a phenomenal book when for the Jesus people uh, when we came to Christ. He gave a prophecy that there was coming a world pandemic that would lead to a worldwide revival. And he gave that prophetic word, I think it was in 1986, long time ago. And so I look at that and I say, these are two men that are, were godly men, consistent followers of Jesus throughout their lifetimes. And I, I, I just believe it. I think they're right. I think it's coming. And, you know, there's revival happening in China right now. There are millions, and I think there are more believers in China right now than here, aren't there? Wow. Millions and millions Iran. of people are coming to Christ in China. And uh, some trace that back to the Tiananmen Square massacre, I believe it was 1999, when a whole generation rose up and protested communism. And uh, the communists were patient with them for a while and then just came in with the tanks and slaughtered them all. And, uh, and that, that just shocked the heart of that whole generation and, and said to them, you know, what you've been relying on, what you've been believing, you can't believe anymore. So their hearts, the, or the belief is their hearts were prepared and now they're turning to truth in Jesus. So I see that and um, then I see this quarantine and how this is shaking not only us but the whole world. And, and I just think it's, it's just, you know, God's setting... Um, God's sitting in heaven laughing at the enemy's schemes, ready, ready to turn it all on its head and to bring about a worldwide revival. So good. I would, do you guys want to say anything? I would just say this quickly so Luke can talk because he's more articulate than me. Um, I would say that one thing that keeps us from having faith in revival and have belief and having a skepticism that's going to come is that we lack theology for it. Mm. But if you just look in the Bible, there's tons of revivals, you know, like Jesus would go to a town and everyone would get healed. Mm, yeah. What, what do you call that? Like, you know, <laughs> uh, Peter gets up and preaches and one day, you know, 3,000 people get saved plus like, and then more people. And it's, so like, just to understand um, revival, mass salvation is biblical, mm. is really helpful for me to be like, okay, this is a thing. This isn't just like a Christian charismatic idea. Like this is a biblical idea. So and then I just say this, I believe this revival is going to be a discipleship making movement revival mm. where we're going to see people not just say yes to Jesus, but we're going to see people surrender their entire life to Jesus. Wow. And um, there's going to be a wave of disciples and people that are obsessed with making disciples. So good. Disciples of Jesus. Yeah. I guess I'd just add that I really believe deep down that anytime the enemy has a scheme or a plan, God always responds. There's never a time that he doesn't respond. I look at my own life and I look at hard seasons. There was always a personal revival for me that came on the other side of that hard season if I didn't give up. And so I really believe that this is just like um, any other time where the enemy has a scheme, that if the enemy had a, a scheme that would affect the entire world, how couldn't we believe that God's response to it wouldn't impact and affect the entire world? I think that I totally agree with the whole discipleship thing. I've, I've been re into reading uh, Samson and how you know his lifestyle wasn't all right, but he was anointed <laughs> in some way. And I really feel like that what we're going to see on the other side of this is we're going to see a lot of people suddenly get impacted by God's presence, but their lifestyle uh, is not exactly the way we think a lifestyle should be. And so my prayers have been for the body of Christ to not be offended, 
that we receive them. Okay, that we receive them and be willing to disciple them and say, hey, you know what, you're, you're, you're a preacher. Wow, come on in, let's get, you, <laughs> let's get you healed up and going. Because I believe that they're going to come in not looking the way we expect them to look and have these controversial ideas that can really offend us. We have to remember that Jesus didn't get offended at stuff like that. So I've been praying for, for the churches as a whole that we wouldn't be offended, that we will be ready to receive. Yeah, Jesus recruited a tax collector. Everyone hated tax collectors. A terrorist. <laughs> One of the guys that he attracted ended up betraying him. So, I mean, like, we just got to seriously get rid of religion, is what I hear you saying. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Well, thank you guys so much for your wisdom and uh, just sharing everything you shared today. I think it was so good. Uh, one of the things that I really just grabbed onto is from the beginning when Wilson was talking about just hanging on to prophetic words that um, are spoken over us and even promises that are in the Bible. And it reminded me of this uh, message I heard from a preacher named Graham Cook one time where, uh, you know, a man who was, um, uh, he was ill with a disease that was going to take his life came to him and asked for prayer for healing. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, he prayed for him, but he gave him like, all of these prophetic words. And the guy was kind of upset, like, I, I'm going to die. I need you to, like, I need prayer for healing. Stop prophesying over me. And, and uh, Graham Cook, he said that he pointed out, he said, well, um, I think I just prophesied about your future. So if God's saying that, I guess you have a future. So you're probably not going to die from this. And, and so I just want to leave you with that thought as, as we end our service today. Like, uh, you know, what if for every negative article you read, you thought on one prophetic word you've received? Or you uh, read one chapter of the Bible that's full of God's promises? Or uh, you listened to prophetic words you've recorded? Like, like, let's start renewing our minds with the promises of God for our futures so that we don't get caught up in, in the craziness of right now, but we can actually be future-minded and see what God has for us coming. So with that being said, uh, just bless you this week. Father, would you bless every, every home, every family, and uh, would you just help us just latch on to the wisdom that was poured out today and, and just to, to stay in connection with you. Would you just build connection and intimacy with you, Father, in, in the coming weeks? Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We will be back next Sunday, 10.30 a.m. YouTube and Facebook. You can uh, watch it live or you can watch it back later. And also we've got some really great stuff coming up this week. So make sure you uh, check it out. See you next week.